This is a CNA podcast. Now, Health Matters with Daniel Martin. In today's edition of Health Matters, taking a look at why eating certain salted or preserved vegetables could up your risk of developing nasopharyngeal cancer or nose cancer. What is the link? All that and more happening on today's edition as we discuss the condition that's said to have a greater burden here in the Asian region, and that's because of perhaps a little bit more commonality amongst people of East Asian descent. Dr. Jonathan Tay is joining me, Medical Director and Senior Radiation Oncologist at Asian Alliance Radiation and Oncology. This is Health Matters. Dr. Tay, welcome to the show. It's our first time chatting and meeting on the show. I appreciate you coming in. Thank you. Thanks for having me on the show, Daniel. What? Okay, we say nasopharyngeal cancer, and then people hear nose cancer as well. Same, same or not? Uh, well, nose cancer is, uh, is more accurately known as a nasopharyngeal cancer, or NPC in short. Mm. So actually, it's not actually a cancer of the part that protrudes from your face, mm. but rather uh, of the passageway behind the nose. Oh. Yeah. It's not the nose nose, the, bul- the bulbous nose that we think of. It's what's happening underneath. Yes, behind. Why? Oh, so is that? So that's where the cancer is most likely to happen when it's nasopharyngeal cancer. Exactly. Interesting. So what, what are we talking about in terms of prevalence or incidence? What is it all about, and how harmful can it be? Well, if you look at the cancer statistics from 2013 to 2017, mm. there were about 1,000 uh, cases over a five-year period. Okay. However, its incidence actually has been decreasing steadily since the 1970s. That's good news. Yeah. So, for example, uh, in the late 1960s to early 70s, nasopharyngeal cancer was actually the fourth most common cancer. And then after that, the incidence started dropping. And then so much so as hot off the press, uh, you know, in the Cancer Registry Statistics uh, published in August this year, um, it's actually no longer the top 10 for both men and women. So, yeah, incidence has gone right down. What happened? Yeah. Well, it's a combination of, you know, different demographics, uh, changes in, the, you know, the incidence of other cancers as well. Sure. And perhaps lifestyle changes, dietary changes, and that has led to uh, differences in incidence in but Singapore. It's not about, like, for example, when I talk about, you know, a new vaccine has come out, that's why cervical cancer is going down. There's no specific... Thing that we can correlate it to is per se. Uh. No, there's no specific vaccine uh, oh. for MPC, for unlike uh, other cancers like cervical cancer. It's very yeah. rare that I can talk about that happening in any of my shows, so I'm happy to bring that up. Having said that, it doesn't mean that it's eliminated and doesn't exist anymore. Can eating salted or preserved vegetables up somebody's risk of developing nose cancer, Doc? Uh, certainly so. It's well known that you know eating uh, preserved or salted vegetables, uh, fish or meat, can increase uh, one's risk of having NPC. Mm. Uh, it's because of a chemical called nitrosamines, which yes. are produced when you, when you cook these uh, items. Yeah. But it's not just the food itself. Um, there are also interplay of other factors yes. like genetics. Okay. So MPC is uh, known as a Cantonese disease really? because of, of a noted high prevalence in areas like uh, Guangdong province okay. and in Hong Kong. Uh, but in truth, actually, it's quite prevalent in many parts of southern China. Okay. And also, there's also association with the virus called Epstein-Barr virus or EBV in short. Now, this is a virus that's actually very prevalent and it's very common. It's endemic uh, in, in our region. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost everyone has it, but most patients, do not, people do not have any symptoms from it. Okay. So this interplay of this virus plus genetics plus dietary then give rise to this um, sort of trifecta whereby, you know, NPCs, you know, you know three to four times more prevalent in this part of the world compared to the world average. Wow. So that's why really we need to pay attention in the Asian region. Um, those declining numbers that you're saying do apply to Singapore to some extent, but we do 
those factors put us at a greater propensity for if it's going to happen, it's going to happen somewhere here. That is so interesting. What, what, else is, what does virus have to do with the cancer developing like Epstein-Barr? Well, it's, it's postulated that, you know, the virus that, that integrates into the genome, yeah, yeah then it, it may cause some you know, genomic changes as well as, and then give rise to increased risk of getting these cancers Gosh. together with the genetic predisposition as well as uh, dietary factors. This specific location of the cancer and that all that area underneath the nose, the nasopharyngeal area, how do people usually realize or recognize that this is something they might be having? Yeah, so when the cancer is uh, early and small, generally, actually, people may not have any symptoms. Mm -hmm. So it may just remain undetected for a while. Mm -hmm. Then when it starts to grow, then following that, you know, they start to get some symptoms like a ear block or nose block. And often it's on one side mm -hmm. or they may have a bit of, um, you know, nosebleed or blood in the sputum. Okay. But these symptoms may just come and go intermittently and then it might just be attributed to uh, upper respiratory tract infection. True. Yeah, and then it may remain undetected. But is it a tumour that's growing? That's why it's causing that? Yeah, generally it is. So if the tumour is large enough, then it can start blocking up some tubes inside the back of the nose and this gives rise to these sensations of blockage in the ear as well as the nose. Um, but... So unfortunately, sometimes it's detected fairly late yeah. and then you get more advanced symptoms. For example, you might get a persistent headache and that's because the cancer has you know, invaded into the, the base of the skull mm -hmm. or it might have some um, double vision or numbness of the face and that's because the, the cancer is then pressing on the nerves in the head and neck you know, that go to the eyes or, or go to the, sense, to, the, to the skin of the face. So yeah, so that's, that's how it presents. Or it may present as a, as a lump in the neck that's huh. persistent, yeah. And that's because MPC likes to spread from the nasal pharynx to the, the neck, to the neck nodes. It's traveling down. That's right, traveling down, and then you get a lump in the neck. So, so if you have these symptoms, then uh, you really should seek prompt medical attention yeah. and get it addressed. I don't know if this is true, but I remember many years ago, this is what an ENT doctor told me. So we'd done a show on my television show, and, and one of the viewers decided they wanted to go see him because he'd been having tinnitus and crack for a while, uh, but nobody could find the solution or could find the tinnitus. And then he described the symptoms and said he had a crackling sound. And then the ENT was like, oh, that doesn't sound like tinnitus. Tinnitus doesn't have this kind of cracking sound. And decided to look up his nose and found that it was actually nasopharyngeal cancer. Can you hear things? Can can your hearing be affected? Could that be a sign? Oh, yeah, it can. So, I mean, it, it could block up uh, the tube that connects the inner ear, you know, to, to, the, to the throat. Yeah, so when that's blocked, then fluid builds up. And then you can hear various sounds that you may not hear if the ah. way is clear. Yeah, so that, that's how it may present as well. That whole area is very interconnected. La. That's right. The whole ear, nose, throat area. Yeah. Okay, so interesting. So if it is found though, what are we talking about in terms of our treatment, our ability to treat nasopharyngeal yeah. cancer? So unlike many other cancers whereby surgery is a very important part of treatment, um, for nasopharyngeal cancer, surgery is generally not done for newly diagnosed cases. Okay. The reason is because of the location of the nasopharynx. So it's very deep and there are many critical and sensitive structures around, uh, namely blood vessels and nerves that are near that area. So surgery might be quite debilitating and difficult. Thankfully, uh, MPC is actually very responsive okay. to non-surgical treatment like uh, radiotherapy as well as chemotherapy. So, you know, many patients are, are, are cured by these non-surgical methods. Really? Yeah. So it would be, I'm just trying to visualize how it's administered because we're inside that area. Do we have to administer within? No. So the radiotherapy is the main uh, treatment for cure. Yeah. Okay, and it's actually called external beam radiation. Okay. Right, so the x-rays, it's, it's actually the use of high-energy x-rays that come from the outside into the area you want to treat. So in this case, we are going to treat the nasopharynx as well as the lymph nodes 
on both sides of the neck. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a it's a painless treatment. It only takes a few minutes at a time. Uh, and then it penetrates deeply to the areas you want to treat. And because of new technology, then we can target the areas you want to treat to a high dosage. And we can avoid the other important organs in that area. More, less harmful side effects potentially with this approach? Definitely. Really? That is, I'm, I'm glad to hear that about the response that we have. So a majority of cases will respond well to this. In very rare instances, where we need to go into next step in terms of, I don't know, targeted therapies and so on and whatnots? Well, in, in cases whereby the cancer hasn't spread, you know, if you use radiotherapy uh, together with some chemotherapy in the later stages, you know, the responses are really good and you can get very, very high control rates of, you know, up to at least 90% wow. in the head and neck. Okay. Yeah. And what are we talking about? I'm sure people always ask you this, that because of its location, people are worried, oh my, my gosh, is this going to affect my sense of smell or my speech patterns and ability? Is there that impact there? Usually, I think there may be some temporary impact. That's due to the swelling of the treated area. But usually these go away after, after a month or two. Yeah. And then most patients, they are functionally quite good, you know, after completion of treatment. Mm. Yeah. So that's enough to bear in mind. I'm very glad. I very rarely do I have a good discussion about how we can treat a cancer. I'm so glad we can have that with this as well. I want to end off on the, these few points. Who is it going to happen to? We've talked about some of the risk factors already, but younger people, older people, midlife people. Yeah, so actually, although it is decreasing incidence, but it's important because uh, it tends to happen in men. It's the third most uh, common cancer in men aged 30 to 50, so people in the prime of life. Yeah. yeah and then it peaks uh, in absolute incidence around 50s, and then it starts to decline in the 60s. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, so uh, men in 30s to 50s, that's, yeah. That's, the one, that's a very prominent group in yes, that that's regard. Right. Yeah. And having said that, what do you think is the key takeaway message here? I think the key takeaway message is that, you know, for, for early stage MPC, you get pretty good cure rates of 80 to 90% in stage 1 to 2. And even but can we the, pick up at stage 1 to 2? Uh, you can if you're vigilant about your symptoms, yeah. 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 Uh, and in patients who have more advanced stages, stage 3 to 4A, for example, um, you can still see cure rates of 50 to 80% depending on the stage. So mm. I think uh, the outlook isn't too bad for, for MPC. Yeah. So and therefore, if you have persistent symptoms, I think you, you should, that we spoke about before, then one should seek medical attention. So if you pick up cancers early, then you can be treated. Uh, the earlier, the better, higher chance of cure, and therefore higher chance of you know, living a long and fulfilling life. And going back to the original question that started everything, the preserved and the salted vegetables. Going to what my CNA 938 listener said on our Facebook page, do we have to give up chikwe or not? Well, I would say, as most <laughs> of us say, everything in moderation. I don't think you have to avoid it completely, but obviously don't take it on, on a super regular basis. And that's always yeah. uh, good advice to follow. And it's not just nasopharyngeal cancer. I mean, there is evidence to say that salted and preserved vegetables and foods are linked to a increased risk of uh, other cancers as well. Yeah, right? definitely in general. So I think as, as a whole, I mean, in moderation would yeah, be best. Yeah, exactly. If you're having it every day with every meal, maybe that's the thing to worry about for years and years and years. That's the problem to take home as well. Doc, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for helping my listeners understand this and, and maybe feel a little bit more aware about the symptoms and more importantly, realize that it can be treated well were it to happen as well. Thanks for your time. Thanks for having me, Martin. My guest on the program, Dr. Jonathan Tay, who is Medical Director and Senior Radiation Oncologist at Asian Alliance Radiation and Oncology. This has been Health Matters. I'm Daniel Martin here on CNA 938. Before making any decisions based on the information in our program, please consult a medical professional.